Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 18. Give praise sincerely, but understatedly. Never flatter anyone. Praise the God in others, but not their egos, for you, as their friend, ought always to support their aspirations toward the spiritual heights. You know, this is a very exceedingly important thing. There's a, you know, there's a sort of a trend to help, build, help children to build self-esteem by constantly telling them how wonderful they are and how they can do everything. Um, one of my friends who qualifies as a millennial says that one of the things that they characterize their, her generation as is she calls it the trophy generation, that you got a trophy just for showing up. And as a consequence, even though I believe the movement was well-intentioned to try to give children confidence, it also gave them an extremely confusing and false sense of what it takes to be a success in life. It, to be a success in life takes more than people telling you you're wonderful. Certainly, it's a good idea to be affirmed, especially as a child, to be affirmed for your self-worth. But to just constantly be overpraised, it actually makes you slightly suspicious rather than actually giving you confidence. If you know that people are just always telling you you're wonderful when you've, when you've done nothing that actually gives you a personal sense of accomplishment. You can take it two ways. You can become weirdly entitled and feel when people don't just cheer you and give you a trophy for showing up that there's something wrong with them, which is not strength of character, or it can make you extremely insecure because people are always telling you how great you are. And you know that you haven't done anything. I had, that, I had that in a strange way. It wasn't that I was overpraised at all. But when I, I was born with the capacity to be very smart in school, it's school smart is what I was, which is a unique kind of intelligence that is very valuable in school. It's not really life intelligence. It's just school smart. They ask certain things of you, and if you happen to know how to do those things, then you can excel. In my particular life, and until the age of 15, I was living in a city where there wasn't a, as much competition. At the age of 15, I moved near Los Angeles, and the bar was raised, and it got a little more in balance. Um, but what it was is I was able to be first in my class without putting out really any significant effort at all. And so as a consequence, I would be praised when I knew I had done nothing. And I was simply too honest to believe them, is the way I would put it. And so I knew that I was getting praised for nothing. I was getting praised for showing up because I was born with the ability to spell and speak proper English or whatever it is I was supposed to do. I mean, if you're understanding that. So I grew up exceedingly insecure because the praise that was offered to me I knew was not grounded in any actual confident ability of mine proven over time to be able to apply myself and succeed. When I came to Ananda, it's not that my, my parents raised me well, it was the circumstances really to a large extent that did it. 
But, but when I, I got to Ananda, which was in my early 20s, that's when I began to grow up. That's when I began to learn to discipline and work. And it was a, it was a, a big learning curve. Fortunately, I think it was better that I didn't buy into the hype because I just I, I was glad finally to be able to apply myself rather than outrage that people weren't recognizing me for who I wasn't. And also, there's this, this terrible mistake that people make in terms of trying to build self-esteem, especially for children. Well, I'll give you an example. Ananda in Palo Alto, where I live, we have a school for children. We have a K through 8, and for the last several years, we've also had a 9 through 12. So we have a full school here. The K through 8's been in existence for close to 30 years. The high school is about four or five years old. It's newer. When we were starting the K through 8 school, I'm not a teacher, but I was part of the founding energy, and I've been on the board, school board, ever since. Um, we were just looking around at other private schools. Palo Alto is a super intellectual Silicon Valley place, so some, there's some really fine, at least fine reputation. Uh, private school. So we were just looking around. We we have our own educational method based on living wisely, living well, and the whole teaching of self-realization. It's called Education for Life. So it wasn't like we were really looking for a method, but we just wanted to see what was going on around us. So one of the most prestigious private schools around here, which is a really high reputation, which given what they're trying to accomplish is entirely deserved. And they were saying that they teach self-esteem, part of their their advertising. I mean, this is all 25 years ago. So we went there and we, we saw that in the, one of the classrooms there was something called a self-esteem tree. That's actually what it was. And it was the, the, the chart was like the bare branches that every child wrote on a leaf what made them feel like a worthwhile person. There were about 30 leaves on that tree and, and I stood there and read every one of them. 29 dealt with an external accomplishment. One of them dealt with character. So it was, I scored goals in the soccer, I won the music prize, I got a high score on my math test, you know, I'm on the first team for soccer, whatever it might be. Every one of them was an external accomplishment. One person said, I'm not as moody as I used to be. You know, I've, I've mastered myself. So of course, oh, that sounds just great. That's what everybody thinks. You build it from the, you know, because you do things. What happens when you fail? And then what also happens is because my self-esteem is based on what I accomplish, I better not risk. I can't risk because if I fail, then I'm worthless. So you, you sort of, in one way, you build these kids for success, but in another, you don't teach them anything about success. You just teach them how to bask in glory. But can we rely always in being able to bask in glory? I mean, it just it made me so uneasy. You know, in our school... We teach children, we, our, our school rules, you know, are kindness, inclusiveness, um, developing good energy, using my, using my willpower to create positive energy. I'm not saying it all exact. But we teach the children how to persevere. We teach the children how to face adversity and what to do in the face of it, how to constantly improve themselves on all levels, not just what they're doing in school, but who am I as a person? And as a consequence, when the children graduate from our Education for Life schools, I mean, their graduation speeches are things like, I can do anything. I know that if I set my mind to it, I can accomplish it. Or I'm not afraid of failure. I'm eager to try new things. I understand how to be a friend. You know, I know what true kindness is. 
I mean, qualities that, that's what we, that's what gives us a real sense of ourself if it's all just because we're recognized from the outside. So Swamiji here says, give praise sincerely, but understatedly. You know, don't flatter people. Don't offer them things that they haven't actually earned. At the same time, be quick to support. Nice try, good work, but praise them for the right things. It says, don't flatter their egos, because the ego is, whew, the ego is such a, uh, what do I say? The ego is such a, uh, an ephemeral friend. If our self-worth is based on ego and the praise that we get and how, how spiffy I am and all of those things, you're just, you're just living on broken glass. You're living on, on cracked glass that just at any moment is just going to fall through. And that's not, that's not real self-esteem. Real self-esteem is knowing that one, first of all, and above all, I mean, all the problems of all the problems of our society can be traced to atheism. It's just traced to atheism because I am alone in this universe. You know, we are part of a greater reality. We move with the power of that greater reality. We live in relationship to it. I am not solely responsible for my own life. You know, yes, I can influence my destiny, but I'm living in this in this river flow of the river of my many incarnations and my aspiration for God and my unity with all the people around me. Because of atheism, it's like, if I can get away with it, why would I not get away with it? I mean, that's what our society is built on now. We're terrified of death. We're terrified of old age. We're terrified of loss. We always have to look really important because that's the only value we have. Because we don't have inner values anymore. And we don't have enduring values. I'm generalizing, but I'm talking about society as a whole. And our educational system is even the public educational system in most private schools. They're either exceedingly parochial, training the children into one very, usually very narrow, um, uh, specific theology, or else it's just completely materialistic. You need to build your resume so that you can get into the good, in our case, good private high school, and then you need to get into good college so you can get into good business school, so you can get the good job. And meanwhile, I mean, in one, one year from Christmas in the newspapers, uh, when there used to be newspapers, the child, there was letters to Santa. And there was one letter from a child who said, I would like a break. That's what the child said. She said, I'm, I am all the time being asked to prepare myself for the next step, whether it's high school or college or my job. She said, I'm 12 years old. I would like to have a childhood. I mean, it was just pointless, point, poignant. Dear Santa, I would like to have a childhood because we're not building character. We're not building creativity. We're not building artistic self-expression. We're not building freedom, attunement, love of God. We're just building egos. And the results are this, you know, just this. We've been stopped in 2020 by this pandemic. We're still in the midst of it when this is being recorded. I don't know what the end, the fallout of this will be, but more than a few people have said, my God, what have we been doing? Ignoring our families, ignoring ourselves, ignoring our spiritual self, you know, just running like crazy. For what? 
So Swami's suggestion here is, is just the very beginning. Feed, don't feed their egos, feed the God within them. You know, try to find a way, even when you praise people, you know, praise not, not just them. Don't try to make them feel special. Feel like something beautiful was done. You know, that was, that was a, 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 the, I, there was a man who played the piano really beautifully. He was not a, a, a child. He was a grown man and he was a real virtuoso. And he had made a specialty of playing all the Beethoven piano music. He was a pianist. And he just had this quality about him of playing music. He was visiting with Swami Kriyananda. And Swami Kriyananda is a very high-level musician, composer, singer. So they were able to have conversations about music that were, were much deeper than most of us could join in. And at one point, this man's name was Gary. He, um, he just couldn't say it in words. And there was a grand piano in the room. And he just walked over and sat down at the piano and illustrated what he wanted to say with the music. And it was so dynamic because when he sat to play, it felt like the music had just been hovering just a quarter of an inch beyond what our ears could hear. And he just had to open the piano by touching the keys with his hands and the music just poured into the room. It was, it was so marvelous. And I heard him play on another occasion and I just said, that music was so beautiful. And he looked at me and he said, oh, thank you for praising the music. He said almost everyone, he looked just so like, like tired, everyone praises the pianist. <laughs> now, of course, he was the pianist, but he knew that what, what they loved was the music, not him. And so it was perfect. And so he wanted the music to be beautiful too. So we have to find a way to, to tell people they've done good work, but they've done good work because they've been a channel for something beautiful coming into the world. So even their sense of, of accomplishment is oriented in the right direction rather than, now, I'm important because I did it. Now, naturally, you, you have to give people credit where credit is due, but be sensitive about it, be conscious about it, be long-range goal about what we're trying to do, even when we thank each other. Because in that way, we can be real true friends. And of course, that's what we're trying to be. So Swami says, give praise sincerely, but understatedly. Never flatter anyone. Praise the God in others, but not their egos. For you, as their friend, ought always to support their aspirations toward the spiritual heights. God bless you, friend. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.